0: Welcome back to the Fertility Answers Podcast. Uh, I'm your host, Neil Chappell. This show is all about taking an in-depth look into fertility topics, helping you get pregnant, stay pregnant, and have all-around success in building your family. I am a reproductive endocrinologist at Fertility Answers, which is a fertility clinic located down in South Louisiana, um, and welcome you to check out more information about us and what we do on fertilityanswers.com. But now let's get on with the show. So I'm still getting questions every single day about the vaccine, uh, the COVID vaccine, of course. And we have mountains and mountains of data that have come out since our last uh, podcast on the vaccine, which I believe was back in December. So I really felt it appropriate to take uh, another moment and distill down what we've learned, what we know, and try and put to bed some of the myths and misunderstandings that are just laden uh, with this vaccine. I'd like everyone to make the best decision. Let's arm each other with information that that, that has a little bit of grit and a little bit of fact to it. The, the, the fact of the matter is numbers are on the rise. Just looking at the CDC data uh, this morning, which is the end of July 2021, we know that the cases in the U.S. are up fivefold. One month ago, the rolling average was 12,000 cases a day. Now we're over 60,000 cases a day. And it's only getting worse, to be honest. Uh, This is largely due to the Delta variant, which as you are hearing, I'm sure, is just much more virulent than the original strain. It's just much more infectious. It doesn't seem to be more deadly, um, but it is absolutely more infectious. And the way I explained Or the way I've been explaining that to patients to say, you know, part of the ability for a virus to infect folks is its ability to replicate itself really quickly and then uh, overwhelm its host. And the Delta variant is just really good at doing that. Uh, Kind of the original variants, they reproduce like humans, slow and steady and with a little bit of difficulty. Um, This particular Delta variant is more like reproducing like rabbits, quick, fast and just overwhelming the system. And that's an important thing to keep in mind uh, as we as I talk a little bit more about some of the stuff that's come to light. So bottom line, the numbers are rising and we're, we're back experiencing problems. July of 2021 looks a lot like July of 2020. Uh, if you look at the numbers and the trends on the CDC site and that's not good, we're going in the wrong direction. Nearly all of the cases and nearly all specifically of the hospitalized cases are from the unvaccinated. 97 plus percent of patients that are hospitalized right now with infections are from folks that have not gotten the vaccine. It is pretty abundantly clear that the vaccine is not 100% effective at preventing the virus, but it is extremely effective at preventing significant symptoms, including hospitalization and, of course, death um, from COVID, And, and this really cannot be underscored. So, I hear this a lot. Uh, I, I know a guy or I know a gal who got the, got the vaccine and still got COVID, so what's the point of getting it? Yep, I hear you. There are folks that have gotten the vaccine and are getting COVID. There are folks that got COVID and are getting COVID. Uh, re-infections are, are on the rise as well. And that's because this Delta strain is just really, really good. The vast majority of infections are in folks that did not get vaccinated. So. Yes, the vaccine is not 100% effective. No one ever claimed that it was, but the vast majority, 97 plus percent of people that are getting the vaccine are not having to go to the hospital. They're having very mild symptoms at best, if symptoms at all. So I would say that that is a reassuring sign that the vaccine, while not 100% effective at preventing COVID, is as close to 100% effective at preventing COVID um, uh, adverse effects and is still something that's much better than than nothing. Uh, I hear a lot of, oh, I'm just waiting to see what the long-term effects of the vaccine are. I, I think we are at a point in the vaccine's life that we can say we are seeing those effects. And what I mean by that is the vast majority of side effects from vaccines, and this is from decades of study of vaccines, the vast majority of effects from a vaccine are seen within the first two months. And we are several months in uh, to the administration of these vaccines, literally millions of vaccines have been given. Uh, over a quarter billion vaccines have been given, according to the CDC data. And and, and that's been long over the two-month timeline. So we, are, uh, we, we have a really good foundation of data to go off of. Most of the short-term side effects vastly, vastly, vastly outweighed by the COVID uh, side effects. So I, I think that... Uh, Concern about what this vaccine may do to your body pales in comparison to what the COVID vac- the actual COVID disease has done. Because what we are what we are seeing uh, is that there actually are long term side effects with COVID. There's long term um, uh, pulmonary effects, uh, fatigue, malaise, and other long term uh, post COVID syndromes that are being described. There are not long term side effects being described from the vaccine. So I, I don't know that. that argument holds a lot of water at this point. Um, Again, a lot of folks say, oh, I already got COVID. I don't need the vaccine. Well, not Delta. And the vaccine does provide uh, a significant increase in defense. And defense is our best offense against this pretty rough disease. Uh, the, The next one was the concern about Bell's palsy. Actually, the data don't really substantiate that the vaccine causes Bell's Palsy. If you look at the incidence of Bell's Palsy and the reports of uh, folks that get Bell's Palsy with the vaccine, the incidence is no different than the general population. So just because you see something that happens in a studied population does not mean that there's actually cause from that. In other words, if you look at a uh, 100 people and five people got Bell's Palsy, well, is that normal? If you look at another hundred people, does five do five people in that other, next group look like they get Bell's palsy too? And the answer is yes. There's no increase incidence in Bell's palsy in the uh, in the vaccinated group compared to the general population. So while there may be a relationship there, it's not immediately clear that that is true. the The next uh, argument that I hear is we have medicines to treat COVID. Well, we actually we we kind of don't. So medicines that we use don't treat COVID; they treat the symptoms and what that is doing is not, uh, the, the, the treatment of the symptoms is still worse than the contraction of COVID itself. So if you compare the side effect profile and the efficacy of any of the medicines that are published out there that treat COVID, all of them actually pale in comparison to the vaccine. The side effects of the vaccine are, are more tolerable, less severe, and uh, and the efficacy of the vaccine in ameliorating or preventing COVID is significantly better than any other published medicine out there. So if you want to talk about medicines that treat COVID, the vaccine is probably the best and the safest. So those, are, I feel like, are kind of the misunderstandings uh, that, I, that I get from patients when they say, oh, I want this, I want that. I'm or, or waiting for more data, even though we have 170 million people that have been vaccinated already in the U.S. alone. We don't, I don't know that we need more data there. I, I kind of want to tackle the the myths. Um, so misunderstandings is one thing, but there are also just outright myths that are just factually inaccurate that I really need to just kind of once and for all, put my foot down and say, this is factually inaccurate, not true, and has been proven to be not true. I hear this every single day that the vaccine causes infertility. Absolutely no, it does not. And this has been pretty well studied at this point, And we can say that no, this, this vaccine does not get into the placenta. It does not induce antibodies to the placenta. Uh, there was an article that was up for three days that said maybe, maybe the vaccine causes issues with fertility because it shares some genetic code with the protein in the placenta. But the protein in the placenta and the code in, this, in, in the vaccine actually look nothing alike. And therefore, the immune response to each of these is completely different we've shown pretty conclusively now that that they are not related to each other. And what the, the analogy that I tell patients is, sure, you might, you know, Gone with the Wind and the Bible might share a few similar words, but they would never be confused. And that's very, that's a similar thing as to what they were proposing with this article, which, by the way, was redacted. But it's probably the most common thing I hear is this article that was up for three days is probably the one thing that's most cited, even though there's no scientific basis. And it's been proven to be false uh, with multiple studies. Um, The the vaccine does not increase the risk of miscarriage. We've studied women that are trying to conceive. We've studied women that have gotten pregnant. There is no increased risk for miscarriage, and there is no impact on male or female fertility outcomes. In fact, there was a study done where it it compared men who have gotten the vaccine to men who got COVID, and men who got the vaccine had no impact on their sperm parameters. Men who got COVID had severe impacts and their sperm parameters that made them less fertile in the, in the phase after they got the COVID due to the severity of the infection. So I would say that it's probably better for your fertility to get the vaccine compared to not. The other myth is that it gets into my DNA. No, it does not. The mRNA survives in the in the deltoid muscle, which is the muscle in the arm that the vaccine is administered, survives there for a day or two, and then it's degraded. Um, the, the information in the, in the mRNA generates proteins that mount an immune response and then they're degraded. So it's not in the system or it's not in the body very long. It just does its job to mount um, a, a response to produce a protein to produce immunity. What we do know is that the immunity is around for a long time. We have several studies out that show the immunity lasts for greater than six or greater than nine months. And that's great because those antibodies that we produce, those can cross the placenta and we have evidence that patients that are pregnant, they get the vaccine, they're, they're giving birth to healthy, happy babies that also have immunity to COVID and that's a big deal. The, the, the last myth is it was rushed through. And, and I, I do wanna, I, I say this is a myth, not a misunderstanding because I wanna emphasize the fact that the science behind these vaccines was rigorously tested for decades. This is not something that's brand new. This is something that we've known about for a very long time. It was just packaged into this vaccine relatively quickly. That is true, but the technology, the foundation, the, the, the scientific tenets that built this vaccine are not new. They've been around for a long time and they've been studied for a very long time for various scientific applications. So saying that this is new is, is kind of like saying, oh, I don't wanna drive the latest edition of that particular car. Because it's new. Well, it's not that that particular car has been around a long time. It's just this is the new model. Anyway, this is not the case. Um, The the science is not rushed through. This this science was this was built on the backs of 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 decades of 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 giants doing some really great research. Now, because this is Fertility Answers podcast, I want to focus a little bit on pregnancy. I talked a little bit about COVID, the COVID vaccine not causing infertility, and and that's just been a hot button for me because despite all these people out there putting out good information uh, about how that is just blatantly false. It's probably the thing I hear the most. I don't understand how one little three-day article can, can have that much of a ripple effect, but, but man, man did it. So please, if, if anybody's out there hearing that, point them in this direction or, or really any direction of a medical professional and they'll tell you how wrong that is. But uh, the New England Journal of Medicine published just last month, a really great comprehensive article on thousands of women that were pregnant while getting the vaccine. And I wanted just to highlight that uh, as we close today, 35,000 women were in the vSAFE reporting program. And, and probably most of you know, if you get the vaccine, you're, you're registered for this program that, that tracks your outcomes. And in this vSAFE program, 35,691 patients reported uh, as being pregnant. And of those, 3,958, so almost 4,000 respondents in that program actually took a telephone call to actually answer some questions about how they did and how they were doing. And that's where we got this data. So 4,000 pregnant women who got the vaccine were willing to give a phone survey to give us this information. So we're definitely grateful for those participants. And what it showed is that the miscarriage rate um, in patients that, that were pregnant and got the vaccine was 13% with a live birth rate of 86%. And those are consistent with, with the normal general population. Uh, a miscarriage rate of, of roughly 15% is what is a normal miscarriage rate, unfortunately. and It is unfortunate that miscarriages are, are all too common. I promise to do a podcast on recurrent miscarriage soon. Um, but that is, a, that is normal. That's not elevated from what we would expect in, in, any, in any pregnancy. Um, preterm birth. There, the incidence was 9%, which again is normal. Uh, the incidence of, of preterm birth in the in the U.S. has been 9% for a very long time. What we call small for gestational age is 3%. That's actually a little lower than what I typically quote for the risk, the general risk in the U.S. Uh, for small for gestational age. What that means is that uh, babies that were born smaller than you would expect for how how far along they were in pregnancy when they were born. Uh, there were no neonatal deaths, meaning that all the infants that were born survived past 28 days, uh, and then at that point, that's not tracked in the same way. And The bottom line is, if you look at these 4,000 women that, were, that, that, that gave their time to, to do these phone interviews, there were no differences in any uh, of the obstetric or pregnancy outcomes compared to what we would expect to see based on, on national averages over the, over the, over the years outstandingly reassuring that, that the vaccine is, is safe not only for adults, but for, for most adults, um, but also for folks that are both trying to conceive uh, or already pregnant. And what we what we do know is that COVID and pregnancy is a huge deal. And, and there are multiple complications associated with that, both short and long term. So this is just another uh, plea from a medical professional that that um, is very invested in, and cares very much about having good outcomes, please, 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 if you haven't already, please consider getting vaccinated. If you would like to talk more about this or hear more about this, um, you feel free to, to email us, podcast at fertilityanswers.com, or you can go to our website, fertilityanswers.com, and, uh, and, and check out more information. But until then, again, uh, thanks for tuning in. And I really look forward to uh, coming at you next month with uh, hopefully a good conversation as opposed to just me talking to myself again.